Good evening. My name is Vern Robinson. This is Vern's podcast called Survival During Catastrophic Times. This is the second episode in my first season, and tonight we're going to talk about a college program for prisoners. That might sound like an oxymoron, but it's not. California State University has initiated a college program for inmates, and I'll explain that to you. But first, I want to give you my personal connection to this story and the reason why it touched me. I found the story about these incarcerated students in Los Angeles Times, the November 4th edition of the paper, and it was written by a staff member at the LA Times named Colleen Shalby. And tonight, it's going to be based upon my personal experience with the subject. In addition, I'm going to quote and paraphrase an article in the LA Times. It touched me because this is the same program that I worked working to try to achieve when I was in prison. And in the three years since my release, all of my efforts have been to create and encourage programs of this type. On December 10, 2018, I was released from the California Department of Corrections after serving nearly 30 years for a crime I did not commit. On the day of my release, I was handed $200, 10 $20 bills, period. I was released without California ID nor driver's license. I was released with the clothing my family sent me just before release. I was 73 years old and physically disabled because of two hip replacement surgeries while in prison, but lacking post-operative therapy or care. Today, I walk with a cane in great difficulty. I left prison like that. For almost two years after release, I was a non-person. I call it being a walking dead man. I could not open a bank account nor receive Social Security or retirement benefits to which I was entitled because I had no official identification. When I attempted several times to get my birth certificate, the New York Department of Vital Records denied my request because they claimed the name of the 1945 birth record didn't match my legal name, Vernon Mathis Robinson. The name on the birth certificate, they said, was spelled V-E-R-M, as in Mary O-N, Matthew. That's Vermin Matthew. Finally, in early 2020, the Social Security Administration, tired of New York's excuses, ordered the Vital Records Department to state their refusal on official letterhead. Once they received, once it was received, they issued my benefits. Shortly thereafter, the California Department of Motor Vehicles issued my driver's license. The terrible irony was that even the Department of Corrections Parole, Adult Parole Division, would not officially confirm my identity despite me being a house guest of theirs for over 30 years. The point in this discussion is that prisoners today are placed in an untenable position between the proverbial rock and the hard place. I have always called prison the land of the walking dead. That death sentence seems to follow most prisoners back into society. One of the most enriching experiences and endeavors I had during my 30 years of incarceration 
was to completely immerse myself in the education program. For example, you see, to prisoners, the only thing that's more important than freedom is education and value, feeling like you are worthwhile. I took six to nine units every year for more than 10 years. So you can imagine the number of units, college units, that I collected or earned. In previous occasions when I've spoken about being in prison, I said that one of the first things that one of the first uh, fatalities after the prison gates close is the death of hope, hope, faith, and a future. Well, when it came to education, the only thing that kept my hope alive and kept my dreams afloat, the fact that one day I might be able to utilize this education. Now I intend to paraphrase the article that I mentioned before from the Los Angeles Times on November 4th. The headline reads, they were supposed to die in prison. Instead, they earned freedom as college graduates. Pictures of men walking across the stage in graduation robes and hats in a prison yard. And I'll paraphrase, but it says, Graduates of Cal State LA's prison degree program marched through the yard for their graduation ceremony inside the California State Prison in Lancaster, CSP, Lancaster. I actually did time in that prison, and it's one of the most dangerous prisons that I have ever been housed in. The program is the first of its kind in California. Twenty-five graduates marched to the middle of the prison yard. There was a recording of pomp and circumstances played, but that was drowned out by the cheers. Dozens of mothers, fathers, friends, and professors sat on a, under a blazing sun, looking toward a stage set up on the basketball court, just beyond the blue mural that said, forgive. One woman beamed and teared up at the sight of her grandson dressed in a cap and gown. Alan Burnett, he was dressed in a white button-down shirt and black pants, and he sat among the crowd and watched the men at the California State Prison in Lancaster take their seat. Tin Nguyen entered the prison yard that day for the first time in nearly two years. This time he was a guest, not an inmate, and he noticed that his old gambling table was still there on the yard. Over the summer, Burnett and Nguyen had crossed different, a different stage at California State College, Los Angeles. Burnett with magna cum laude honors and Nguyen with summa cum laude status. Most every day since, Burnett says he gets a call from the prison. Oftentimes, it's one of his former classmates or cellmates on the inside asking him about life as a college graduate beyond the Bob wire top walls. Two men smile while wearing graduation robes and sasses. Alan Burnett and Tin Nguyen pose for a portrait after their graduation from Cal State L.A. in July. They recently attended a graduation ceremony at Cal State Prison in Lancaster for the inmates who are still incarcerated. Burnett's 48, Nguyen's 48, and they're among 37 freed and currently incarcerated men at the prison 
who were the first inmates to earn a bachelor's degree from a California state public university as part of an expanding initiative that has gained statewide attention. Launched at Cal State LA by a communications professor, the degree program imparts otherwise an unheard of message to its students. And that message is, you are worthy. Along with Burnett and Nguyen, 10 of the 37 graduates are now free and one is expected to be released in March 2022. Some of the freedmen work as advocates for the incarcerated. Burnett works at Human Rights Watch Leadership Council, which campaigns to stop life without parole sentences. Many who re remain in prison intend to find work on rehabilitation programs on the inside. On the first day out of prison after 27 years, Burnett bought a pair of shoes from a discount store and visited Target, of all places, and stopped at the beach to smell the ocean air before making his way to the place he had dreamed about most of the years behind bars, and that place was Cal State L.A. Burnett had been serving a life sentence for a crime he committed when he was 18, when he was involved in a fatal carjacking. His sentence was commuted after his mother encouraged him to apply for early release under Governor Jerry Brown's administration. He learned in 2019 that he'd get a chance to go before the parole board to make his case, and he was finally granted freedom in 2020. As he puts it, I was supposed to die in prison. He had learning challenges as a kid and didn't believe that he was worthy of a higher education. But in prison, books and education became a respite. Burnett earned an associate degree that in 2016 got a chance to enroll in classes from Cal State LA. Nguyen says thank you while visiting with an officer, A. Cox, on the prison yard. Nguyen, who's getting his master's in communications, had returned to watch his fellow classmates graduate. He was released in 2019 and crossed the graduation stage at Cal State LA's campus in July. He had read Henry David Thoreau's Transcendentalist readings about Walden Pond while sitting in a cell at night. He studied Google and social media in the classroom and typed on computers without access to the Internet, <clears throat> technology he only encountered after he was released. And he met professors who, for the first time in his life, believed in his ability to transform himself. Now, this program began with 45 students. Some of them transferred to different prisons. One died from COVID-19. And all 37 students have graduated from the program, including 12 from the classes of 20 in 2020 and 2021, and were granted an early release after a life sentence. Correctional education is transformative. And any student you talk to that has succeeded in earning a trade certification, a diploma, it's a life-altering thing, said Shannon Swain, and that's the superintendent of correctional education at the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Governor Gavin Newsom recently signed a bill to expand higher education 
for incarcerated students. Other people will read this, and I think they'll say that someone who's lost someone may wonder, what about my son, what about my daughter, who was going to school, who was working, and then someone just came along and took their life. What about them? Nobody's saying anything about them. According to Tenich Hollins, who says, I think I've learned as a crime survivor, it's possible to hold two emotions at the same time. And you know, there is a sincere debate to be had among both sides in this argument. The one who is the survivor of crime or someone that empathizes with the survivor of crime, and those that support education for the incarcerated inmate. And I think the only logical response to this is to realize that 75 or more percent or greater percent of all inmates in prison today will be freed at some point in the future. And for the future of the community as a whole, are we safer by having educated individuals with careers and career aspirations living next door to us than someone who is angry, bitter, and reasonably remains dangerous because of the fact that they've spent 30 or more years walking, as I say, in the land of the living dead with absolutely nothing to show for it, no security or resources in the greater society. And as we said in the earlier part of the program, finding themselves between a rock and a hard place. I understand. There are those of you who will find this podcast unaccepted. Those of you who have staked out a place in our social argument and our debate as being unaccepted. But we have one choice. We can create an environment and a society in which those that are most disadvantaged can find a comfortable place in which to exist or we'll find ourselves in a place of conflict. Before we end this evening's podcast, I'd like to acknowledge and make honorable mention of some wonderful individuals and groups who are doing great work in the area of providing opportunities of higher education prison inmates. They are, number one, Professor Apodaca, UC Irvine professor, who sees college degrees as a way to reduce recidivism. He's a communication professor. Also, Cameron Afray, Dr. Taffany Lin, or Lim, executive director of Cal State LA's Center for Engagement, Service, and the Public Good. Shannon Swain, the superintendent of education at the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, who says correctional education is formative and any student you talk to who has succeeded in earning a trade certification or diploma is life altering. And also, last but not least, Tinnish Hollins, Executive Director of the California Branch of Victims' Rights and the Criminal Reform Group. Hats off to her because it takes a special individual to be able to look beyond the grief 
and stigma of being a survivor of crime. Also, the National Conference for Higher Education, the National Conference on Higher Education in Prison, holds, holds their annual conference on higher education in prison. And it's not only in a single event. It's a lifeline for the community of people who are committed to expanding educational opportunities for students who are currently or formerly incarcerated. And it takes place in November from November 11th to the 14th. So before we close this podcast, the second episode of this podcast, I would like to stress upon particularly those who are opposed to the idea of educating prisoners to rethink your position, please. Because what we are searching for, I think what we are common goal is to have safe communities and communities that offer opportunities to all individually. Remember, in the Bill of Rights, it says all men are created equal. And anytime we have the opportunity to create an environment in which we are more equal, where equality becomes the norm, I think we're all safer for it. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and we will see you next time.